And welcome back to the Learn to Code podcast. Well, today's episode is the first one of season four, and we are going to be talking about test-driven development. Test-driven development is one of those, well, they seem to be complicated because it has three words, you know, but it's really not that much, but you can overcomplicate things if you think too much about it. Test-driven development is the idea of um, instead of getting gathering requirements for functionality for your program or your software or whatever device you're building, you are basically gathering these requirements. And before implementing a solution for your requirements, you actually write uh, an automated test that is going to test the functionality that you haven't write yet. So the idea is that you create code to test your own code and in test-driven development, you actually write the test first, and then you implement the answer to pass that test. It's basically getting the uh, the questions for for an exam before for a test, <laughs> uh, pun intended again, uh, before uh, looking for the answer yourself. You write a test, you run the test. That test is expected to fail. If the test doesn't fail then you need to look up into your test and see why it didn't fail when it's supposed to. Because uh, even uh, succeeding a test when, it, when it's not supposed to succeed, that may be considered uh, an issue. That's actually an issue. Anyway, once you write this test, you implement the answer or the minimum code needed to pass that test. This may be from returning uh, a hard-coded value Basically, just type a uh, return and whatever the value you are asking for in return, you just type in that. It sounds silly, uh, but, it, but it's recommended at least when you are learning to do just that. Just return whatever value you are hoping to. And obviously, when you try, then uh, you see your code and you refactor your implementation code. Not the test itself, just the implementation. Since you are, if you follow my advice of just returning a value, then there is not really much to, to refactor at this time. And then you move on to your next test and you try something else or something very similar. And obviously the test is going to fail again. Maybe you are going to require, you know what, maybe in this test, I really want to try out whatever I need to implement here. You may be even returning a calculation. You may um, uh, do the minimum in order to pass new tests. And then you implement, uh, you write the test, fails, you run the test and it fails, should be. And then you just write down uh, the implementation for the second test and you pass the test with the minimum code required for it to pass. At least now, uh, you're not just going to return uh, a hard-coded value because that would be silly now. Uh, you already did that, but on the second test, you might like to implement a formula or maybe return an expression or something that allows you to get the value that you're expecting. And from here onward, you are going to be doing something refactor after you pass your test you take a second look to your function, your functionality, your code, uh, your implementation. And after looking uh, to your code again, you refactor it. You make it, uh, in order to refactor, what you are looking is not to fix a bug, 
The code should be working correctly this time. Refactoring is not fixing a bug. Refactoring is not making the code look clever. That's not refactoring. Refactoring is, uh, uh, the goal of refactoring is, is two. One, to make the code readable. And two, to make the code run faster. And, and that's really important because uh, I didn't say make the code look clever. And I think clever code is fun to write. Uh, but it's making the code harder to read and to understand correctly. So that's why I just, I'd rather have readability rather than clever code. In my opinion, it's way better to understand easily what the code is about and what is expected from the code to do than having clever code there. But anyway, and the second objective for refactor is to make the code faster. You're going to refactor something. Maybe you are going to implement a generator function instead of a for loop with a list. Uh, and that's going to make your code run way faster. Well, do so. And this is the time where you refactor uh, the little things you want to make a constant instead of hard coding a value. So here is the place to do it. And you repeat this process of creating tests, running the test, see it fail. And that's called the red face is failing, it's red. And then you move on into the implementation of the code in order to pass the test. And this is called the green phase because you are passing the test in green. And then the last phase is the refactoring phase. And this phase is where you uh, refactor your implementation code, make it readable or make it run faster, or maybe both, who knows? And that's the idea, repeating this cycle over and over again, and you are going to become really fast. It's happening to me and I can see my brain uh, clicking way faster than the first time that I was writing a test. The first time I wrote a test, uh, I lasted for around an hour in order to create like four tests and figure out how the assertions actually work and why some assertions uh, were not working as, why, uh, as I was expecting. So the idea is to repeat this process, allow your brain to get that memory, that muscle memory of writing tests in writing implementation to pass it, refactoring implementation all over and learning the assertions and how they actually work. And the, 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 the test that I am uh, pretty familiar with, I think validation of data types, that's validating data types. And another test is validating value or value error. So uh, I was working with a, with a, uh, with a, a geometric function that you pass an argument called radius. And the idea is that you get in return the area of a circle, a geometric formula, basically. And you give the radius, use the radius input as uh, part of the formula and you get the area of the circle. So the idea was that what happens when I in uh, other data types other than integers and floats um, and I was getting values back and that's not supposed to, I was not expecting successful. So it was running with imaginary, with complex numbers, with negative numbers, with Boolean values. Obviously unit testing allows me to capture those instances. And then I, those instances of the test that supposed to be failing didn't fail. And I was uh, reworking my tests to make them fail. 
So writing the that the failing test became an issue for me. So and that's and that's funny, no? Considering that you are expecting to write a test that and you don't have code to make it pass, and then you see it pass, and that's just like a little surprise in Python. After that. Uh, another test I really like to do now is value error. In the case of this uh, geometric function, I was uh, validating that the actual values are numbers, uh, basically integers and floats, and greater than zero or zero. Zero equals zero or greater than zero. Basically, if I'm getting a negative number, I'm not going to uh, run in the function or returning anything. I'm going to raise an exception. In this case, a value error exception. And let the programmer know that there was an issue. In this case, uh, unit test ran and I was to capture that. And basically, I wrote the implementation code in order to raise an exception because you are expecting things to fail. And if they don't fail, well, that's it. I've been working with unit test the entire day, part of the Sunday. I think I feel more confident working in D now in test, test driven development, but by no means I'm faster. I'm very slow and I may like to get more practice and use other assertions and get practice with all, with all the assertions. And there are not many assertions in test library for Python. But, um, but now that, uh, ah, uh, good news is that I am starting a new job today and tomorrow is my first meeting. And I'm going to be working um, uh, with four technologies, Informatica, Power Center, that's an ETL tool. We'll be working with IBM Cognos reporting tool, a web-based reporting to work in SQL, well, or SQL queries, obviously. And the last, the last number, ah, Power BI from Microsoft. That's a dashboard, um, business intelligence tool to create reports and dashboard. So those four technologies, uh, I'm going to be a student harder. And I had in my sites for tomorrow morning, uh, finishing that the objective for tomorrow is going to be to finish my Informatica training. I don't think I'm going to be able to finish by tomorrow night, but I'm going to make the effort to. So my plan is to, after recording this episode, I'm going to try to get some sleep. 8 p.m., uh, 8.24 p.m. Central Standard Time. So probably I'm going to, uh, and I don't feel tired yet, we are going to be having issues. Thank you for listening, it's Jundidar, and see you tomorrow evening. Goodbye.